Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadge Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. In addition to having my good friend and fellow automotive journalist on the episode this week, I have another good friend and fellow automotive journalist on the podcast. Say hi to the people, Chad Kirchner. Oh my gosh, hi everybody. Is this like a Highlander Chad. situation where there's there's always been one, but now there's two? What? Well, what no, the... I would really appreciate it if both of you guys managed to stay on the on the podcast for the whole episode. Kept our what heads. If... Wait, does that suggest that I should go? I don't know. It depends. On, the this? rules of the quickening are not clear. Okay. I have a problem, but the, what's, what about the Grand Highlander situation, though? Like... Well, my goodness, I'm actually driving one right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, for the people that don't know, Chad can be found um, running all things at EV Pulse, which means uh, we're here to talk about some EVs this week, right, Chad? Uh, apparently, yes. Uh, hello, greetings. Um, yes, yeah, so I've long time listener. I was going to say long time listener, first time caller, but I've been I've been on here a few times before. Um, even Chad's, feeling- even, Chad's even guest hosted in Sammy's absence uh, as Sammy's life becomes increasingly chaotic and detached from the mainstream. Yeah, um, we've had to <laughs> we've had to occasionally uh, tag someone in f- to help me out because I can't be trusted with the podcast on my own. Fair. Fair. So, yeah. So thank we- you. Thank you for your hard work on that one, man. <laughs> it's tough to rain to rain Ben in sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it, the pre-shows are, are nice and lengthy is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and, and you should you should send some Ko-Fi money this way. Maybe you'll get to listen to those pre-shows someday. <laughs> I don't know if See, we could ever release. Really, we, we've talked about it. We were actually just talking about it, right? Releasing the pre-show banter. Sometimes it can be like yeah, a full 40 minutes of us talking about <laughs> sometimes the podcast, but often other things. And I don't know if people would want to hear that. If you're out there listening right now and you're curious about what happens before the podcast, let us let us know. Um. First of all, before we get started, I would love to get uh, Ben to plug some of his recent publications he's been writing for. Go for it, Ben. Sure. You can find my work at Motor Trend, at Inside Hook, and at Driving Line. And you can find my work at Autotrader.ca, Driving.ca, and Nouveau Magazine. This week, um, we've got a very anticipated EV to talk about, and that's why we brought Chad on. Um, This is the Chevy Blazer EV, a car that I've been looking forward to. There's been a lot of news about this vehicle for a long time. And um, I think it's it's supposed to be a sort of um, a greeting for a new technology in the in the General Motors um, portfolio. A greeting? A greeting? What's the best way to say it? I don't know what you're trying to say. You're going to have to give me more. I mean, this is the first time we're going to see the Ultium technology at an approachable um price point and different kind of configure battery and motor configuration so. approachable ish yeah I was, more approachable than the close. lyric and the and the hummer fair, is it fair. though i mean what's the lyric start at is it about 70 or is it 60 up. no it's in the 60s like you're going from a blazer like rs to a lyric isn't that big of a jump it's a five thousand dollar jump or something right yeah but right, I take it back. But but as we'll talk about, I don't necessarily think you need to make that jump. Ah. Um, like I liked I, I liked the lyric a lot. But um the one thing though before we get into it, we gotta pour one out for Apple CarPlay and Android Auto because this is the first of many GM EVs that will no longer support those those uh, cell phone connectivities. Once again, so, a that, truly bizarre decision from GM corporate that I don't think makes a lot of sense and I don't think other OEMs are going to follow suit. 
they doubled uh, down on it this week by saying that it's a it's a safety concern to them. So, uh, so, so as as um as you guys are aware, and I'm sure that you've talked about with your listeners before, um, you know these drive programs. There's there's multiple waves of of journalists that come in and drive these vehicles, stuff like that. I mean, these GM these in some ways, poor GM folks were getting hit every single day with, why are you getting rid of this? Why are you getting rid of this? Why are you getting rid of this? Um, and they and, had an answer every single day. They didn't waver for a well, moment about so, it. So it's, gripping it's, that podium tightly. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's interesting because, so the, the big elephant in the room is the largest EV seller on the planet does not support CarPlayer and Android Auto. Um, and probably never will. Okay, so the, uh, is, is GM conflating the success of Tesla with the fact that they don't support Android Auto? No, and they're like, no, if only we no, followed in but, those footsteps, that's what people want. No, no, but they are using that as part of the talking point because one of the things that GM says, and and this is actually truthful, like this is this is legit a, a good reason to not use your phone, is that. When you use a built-in system, when you use Tesla's built-in um, infotainment, you get better route planning because the system can talk to the to the car, like it knows it knows state of charge, it knows the ambient temperature. It can it can when it plans out routes, it can better set all of that up. It can also precondition the battery automatically as you approach a charging station, so you can get a better charging experience when you're there. So um, none of that, that is an insurmountable barrier if they wanted to connect, say, Waze or Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever to the car. So some some of the functionality is built into Apple, the new Apple Maps. If you want to, um, as an automaker, update your app on your phone, like it's a little bit of a, it's a process. Um, I think Mercedes is a little bit farther along on that, if I'm not mistaken, but it's not, it's not necessarily as easy as it sounds to do that. So what most automakers are saying at this point is if you want this um, battery preconditioning and if you want this better sort of car driver integration of all of the EV components, then use our, our system. If you're willing to trade off some of those benefits then you can still use your phone for those other things. I feel like so, I feel like the trade-off goes both ways, right? Because like you said, people are going to miss out on built-in OEM features for the vehicle. But mm-hmm. if they stick with the OEM system, they're going to miss out on apps they're Correct. already familiar with and that Correct. are in some ways, yeah. in many ways, better than what they're getting from yes. the, the dashboard. It, it, in either way, no no solution yet is perfect. Um, but, but that's correct. Like if you... Now, GM is saying, well, you'll be able to add apps and stuff like this, but they're going to have to be GM-approved apps, even though they're using the Play Store. But, like, Volvo's built-in system just lets you use the Play Store. But the Volvo system, like, even though it lets you use the Play Store, it's still a walled garden in a sense because I remember not being able to install Waze on a Volvo, and I'm not sure if you can do that yet. Yeah, I don't know if you can either. I was thinking other apps, though, like um, your podcast app and stuff like that. That was natively sort of supported. I was able to install Pocket Casts immediately. I mean, the most important um, app, clearly, a podcast yeah. app. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, of course. And, <laughs> to all um, of our listeners, for sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, no solution right now is perfect. Most automakers, I mean, we'll even come out and straight tell you. They're like, look, this way is better if you want. But this way is if you want the familiarity, and we're giving you the choice. Yeah. What is now, frustrating is is GM is taking away that choice, and they're only taking um, it away for the specific class of vehicle, which makes it even well. More 
Well, it's not if the mm. if the real reason is better EV functionality. So if that is if that I is just give the choice, I don't get the no. I, don't I, get... I I I'm not, I don't disagree with you. I'm, I'm just countering, I've been using. I'm just and... countering Ben's point that like if they did it if they did it fleet wide on the gas cars as well, then it would make then it would make no sense at all so other than money. I've used here they um, can lean on that. Yeah, that uh, when I have an Ionic, for example, I usually switch to the uh, built-in. Um, navigation system because as you mentioned it it can precondition the battery um to the charger that i'm going to and it can tell me what my state of charge will be at a given um um location and and what it'll be like when i go back i'm you know comfortable enough switching between the two systems when i need to right like it's it's not it's not like you have to do a Konami code or something i i to feel, make that happen uh, i guess but, since i charge mostly at home the preconditioning is not as big a deal for me no, and most people charge at home, so the preconditioning right. isn't that big of a deal. Um, what I will say, though, Sammy, is your your audience, I mean, obviously your listeners are the absolute best, brightest, smartest, most attractive listeners in all of the universe. This has been um, scientifically proven. Scientifically proven. Um, but most people are stupid. And um, they're not going to understand or learn or figure out the, the, the process of switching back and forth between those two. And honestly, switching back and forth between those two can be distracting. So, um, the real reason, I mean, th- I mean, that is a reason. And I would like to say that that is a real reason, but I think most people are saying, oh, well, it's going to be an option for subscription revenue for apps and for stuff sure. like that in, in the future. Um, as for safety, I, I think, I don't want to say the guy was misquoted, but I, I, I feel like, I don't think he was misquoted, but I don't think that that's, I don't think that's a legit, a legit answer, and they have to know that that's not a legit answer. So I don't know why it was said out of maybe – I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt and just be like they were frustrated at answering the question. Yeah, it's sometimes yeah, I think that they're probably constricted to talking points that are outside of their hands, and um, they're told to – this is the answer for this particular driving event, and just stick with this for now. And you know, the, the people that we're talking to at these events, they didn't make these decisions. So No, no. But uh, – it is it is frustrating because Sammy, you're right. The per, the customer should have the choice, and all the other automakers, at least at this point, have decided that giving the customer the choice is the solution. And, and other than te- other than Tesla, we're really seeing uh, a balkanization of uh, the dashboard over the the next couple of years. I think as companies strive to turn it into a revenue source. And we've we've enjoyed a nice multi-year period where stuff like CarPlay and Android Auto have been largely accepted on both sides by drivers and OEMs. But I kind of feel like that detente is is on its way out. Uh, having spoken to some of the people who are making the decisions about what the dashboard will look like digitally in the future for a number of automakers, it, it's really. Uh, and, a battle for for monetization of data and monetization yeah. of the the digital space, I guess. And we've been through this before. I was in the mid-teens. There was a big push to buy things from your car, like shop right. from your car and order Starbucks from your car. And it was a losing battle. It was a losing battle. It was battle. a GM thing, too. That was, was all about GM in the day, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, you or on on exactly, yeah. but the problem is you're fighting against the phone that people use every day. So like that did mm-hmm. not work very well. But there's there's multiple angles to come at this problem, and we're in an industry that has amnesia about things that don't work. So, well, and I also, mean, I mean, the data point's very valid, Ben, along with the subscription stuff. Additionally, though, um, there is a cost to Apple and to Google. Yes, right. Like Apple doesn't give you. I, I understand for free. there's also a data cost to it as well. Yeah. They have to provide information about their their customers or or their behaviors or something like that, and a certain amount of access to the vehicles uh, 
systems, which which an automaker may not be comfortable with. with so what I understand, uh, that's what stopped Toyota from adopting it for so long. And that's what took uh, uh, Hyundai Motor a while to get wireless CarPlay in the higher-end head units. Mm. Um, that's an interesting barter also, system they've got going on, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So it, it's it's... It's not ideal, and unfortunately, this clouds what I think is a, a pretty good EV, all things considered. So I want to, um, I want to, I want to bring one thing up about the the Blazer EV before you dive into it, Chad. When yeah. this vehicle was first announced, they told us, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, they told us that it was going to be offered in front wheel drive, all wheel yep. drive, and rear yep. wheel drive for yep. reasons that were never explained, and then that didn't happen. Did that come up at all during the event? Um, I can explain it to you. I, I can I can explain Please to you do. why yes. I, I can I can let's I can start right there. All right, let's, let's go for it. it. Yeah. Um, so the Blazer EV. So um, understand that just this morning Cadillac announced the Vistic. Yes, the seven, um, the which, three row seven seater. The three row seven seater that will sit between the Lyric and the Escalade IQ or the Escaladic. Um, <laughs> We have to assume. No, I don't. I don't have this confirmed, but we have to assume that there will be a Chevrolet equivalent. Um, the suburbanic. Yeah, well, below the suburbanic, the like, iconic. Um, <laughs> yes, the iconic. Um, so, look at that Vistic, and then that'll make this make this one. That'll make this even make even more sense. So, the Blazer EV in in the front wheel drive trim shares the same battery. And front motor as the Equinox. So for packaging reasons, or for packaging simplicity, yeah, they take the front drive unit from the Equinox and the battery, and they put it in the larger, in the larger Blazer. Right. Now, I mean, the, I get modularity for all these, but things. there is no. Just, but just to be clear, there is no front wheel drive trip. There is. Oh, there next year. There's an next LT. year. The LT. Right now, there's not. Right, right now, the only well, actually, right now, the only trim you can buy is, is all-wheel all drive. drive. Yeah, yeah. But when the full Blazer lineup is out, there will be the the LT version will have the 80 ish kilowatt hour battery, um, with uh, or I'm sorry, sixty ish. It's the small battery. The small battery will be front wheel drive only or. In, in Blazer, this is if this you, is absolutely if you go to, crazy. If you go to all wheel, if you go to all wheel drive, crazy. if you go to all wheel drive, it doesn't really matter for the customer. But if you no. go to all wheel drive, you get the same front motor, but you get a larger rear motor. But if you're um, this is this is General Motors sacrificing driving dynamics for modularity and cost saving. If I'm if I'm interpreting this correctly, yeah. But but somebody buying a front wheel drive Blazer is or somebody buying an entry level Blazer probably doesn't care about. But they're going to be the it. only people in the segment selling a front wheel drive EV SUV. I would think at that price point, I uh, of that size, yes. Um, so driving dynamics in that sense, it's it's because there's no compelling reason. The only reason front-wheel drive exists is for packaging and yeah. cost-cutting. That's the only mm-hmm. reason. And it really they, it feels like it's not compelling enough in the EV space to pursue. I mean, we've had, no, we've it's, had the it's Leaf totally and we've this, had the Bolt. It's, and, and it's totally to save the money. I mean, it's totally to save the money because they're, they're doing a front-wheel drive Equinox. So they're putting that exact same hardware in the place. It's wild to me that these, that these vehicles exist. It's so exist. unnecessary. It's, it's like... GM's doing so many good things with Ultium, and then they do stuff like this. And it's, yeah, well, this I mean, I mean yeah. honestly, this doesn't this honestly doesn't bother as, much, as me as much as I think it does you guys. Okay, um, especially in the world of 
of Ultium and the issues that Ultium has had. Um, <laughs> it's true. This, this is a footnote <laughs> when we're talking about the troubles of Ultium reaching the market. <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't think the customer's going to care because it's already a big, heavy EV. When they dump that um, 300 pound feet of torque to the front wheels. <laughs> right. I, I, it may... To me, it makes sense from a manufacturing cost savings. Maybe it doesn't make sense from driving dynamics. Maybe it doesn't make sense for a certain level of confusion. But I get why they want. If they're going to use the same hardware, it's going to be less money to put the same hardware in the same part of the car. Look, Chad, can't they just run the Blazer through the assembly line backwards? If it's that, <laughs> that solve the problem, cost wise. I mean, maybe it's possible. I mean, I'm, um, no, but then, I'm no automotivologist, but it seems like that might work. And then there is the all-wheel drive Equinox and the all-wheel drive Blazer. Now, the all-wheel drive Blazer gets a bigger rear motor, where the all-wheel drive Equinox, I don't believe, does. Um, and then in Blazer, you can get rear-wheel drive, which is a which is just the larger motor and then the big battery. So if you want the if you want the 320 some miles of range, you want the rear drive RS version which has the big battery. Um, and that's, like I said, that's good for a little over 300 miles. Uh, the RS all-wheel drive is like 270, 280. Um, and then there will be a 660-some horsepower SS at some point next year. Yeah. Um, now, these, first of all, do you think that uh, that mileage, 280 and 324, um, is like super competitive or compelling, or do they just it's, hit a mark and they were like, "That was that's what our our focus group said at the time and where we delivered the, it." It's where the segment is. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think there's some folks that would like to see a lot more mileage. Um, I think there's folks that I think there's a lot of folks that don't need that many miles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of EVs right now are dragging around a lot of extra battery weight for no reason. I spaced it right. for a second. The mileage you said was two twenty. No, uh, it's no, two, no, no. 280 for the... 280 ish. Okay, sorry. 323 for the. I thought that that was, range. that was the torque, so I, I'm sorry about that. Sorry, no, that's the. The longest range range is 320. And is the long range an all wheel drive model? No, it's rear only. Okay. Um, and, and then, like I said, then there's a dual motor uh, SS. Uh, and I would imagine that that dual motor SS, like a lot of that, would then carry over to whatever the larger, whatever the Chevrolet version of Vistic ends up ends up being. Traverstic. Traverstic. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, uh, no, Yukonic or uh, Iconic. Whoa. Yeah, no, I'm sure that's now you, now you mentioned. That. Now you mentioned that the only models that are coming out are these all-wheel drive versions. Is that? I, I've so, been hearing so, that people have been talking about uh, or reviewed the rear-wheel drive model as well. Is that so? If you walked into a, a Chevy dealer right now, you can only get the all-wheel drive. At the first drive program that I attended, hmm. most of our time was spent in an all-wheel drive, but we did drive a rear-drive okay. long-range model. I okay, let's a, focus uh, on the all-wheel drive model then. So okay. you've got a battery, eighty kilowatt-hour battery in that. Eighty-ish, yeah. Yep. I, um, and. This battery is not in use in any, any other GM product right now, or is it also in the it's in the lyric? It's, it's a lyric. And Altium, the way that Altium works is that it's the battery pack. It, it's a, a number of basically slots or modules that yeah. you add more when you want more range, and you take some out when you want lighter weight. Um, this has the same, I believe, ten and ten combination, like ten on top of ten. I think okay. it's twenty total. 
uh, it's, it's been a long day, but um, <laughs> but basically it has the same number of modules in that the Lyric has. So um, they both charge at 190 kilowatts. Uh, they both have roughly the same power output, roughly the same range. Um, in some ways, they're just badge engineered differences, uh, different vehicles, um, but they do feel no, a little bit noticeably, noticeably different. The Lyric is a little more softly sprung, a little bit more comfortable. The Blazer's a little stiffer, um, but both drive very well. And I thought the Blazer all-wheel drive drove very well. And um, and when you say 190 kilowatt charging, like what kind of a speed are you going to see at a at a level three charger, like maxing out at for on average? Assuming, I mean, we haven't tested the charge curve yet on it, but I mean, it, it should it should sit most of the time well above 100. Okay. Um, and I've been able to peak. I've been able to max out Ultium before. I've gotten 350 out of a Hummer, um, and then the, the okay. charger, the charging station, kind of overheats if it does it for too long. But um, but the charging performance has been pretty good on these Ultium vehicles. They're claiming, I believe, uh, 70 miles of range, give or take, in about 10 minutes of charging, um, which is a completely useless metric to me. But um, <laughs> I know it's it's so <laughs> odd how they slice and dice the charging times or the like, or the like, you can add six miles per minute, you know, or something right. like that. And it's, that's not, I don't think that's useful. Like when you're at the fuel pump, you're not like putting in a gallon of gas and thinking, oh yeah, I got another 20 miles in there. Like, it's, right. Like, it's not well, really it's easy. I mean, it's kind of easy to sugarcoat it or, or it's much easier to cherry pick like the good stuff. Right. Sure. Like, um, but it should charge reasonably well. Um, I thought it drove really well. I think GM did a really good job. Um, as you guys both know, like all-wheel drive vehicles tend to not steer have as good a steering feel. If you can kind of feel the extra weight up front, or you can feel, you know, the the power sort of being delivered to those front wheels. Um, it's a little bit more more noticeable in EVs because the heavier motor is also up there, um, which is why I like the EV6 rear drive better than I do the all-wheel drive. Um, but the GM engineers have done a very good job at engineering out a lot of that extra heavy numbness up front there isn't steering feel don't get me wrong these are ev electric power assisted whatever like there isn't feel but um it, it is a better it, it steers better than a lot of other all-wheel drive evs you don't feel like drive. a drone pilot basically yeah yeah um which kudos to them you can still feel it a little bit it's not as nice as just the rear drive but they've done a really good job at engineering a lot of that out um Inside, there's a ton of space. There's more space than the Tesla Model Y. They very efficiently. They don't. They don't. They don't have a front trunk, but they very efficiently use the rest of the space. Lots of rear seat room. Um, decent amount of cargo space. The new infotainment system. It's a 17-inch screen. It looks gorgeous. The color reproduction is great. There's a lot of really good functionality built into it. The Google Maps works really well. Um, there's like. Uh, the RS version comes with the 17-inch screen as standard. It comes with the heads-up display as standard. The digital instrument cluster as standard. Like everything's standard on RS. Um, and the, the price and of the RS, I mean, you would expect that stuff, right? We're looking at like what, fifty-five thousand? The one I drove was sixty-one. Okay. Um, and that didn't have Super Cruise. Super Cruise wasn't on it yet. My um, but but that's but that's coming. But that's about on par where uh, a fully loaded Ionic Five or yeah. uh, whatever. I mean, they're all nudging that 60 grand number for sure um and i think this is just as competitive as those um the couple of a couple of downsides um i don't know if this was because they're pre-production units i hope it's because they're pre-production units but there were some software glitches um and and one really noticeable one like there was an engineer in the car and he explained well 
the one system's not talking to the other relay properly. Like, I get that. But because w- what made it really, really noticeable was two things. One, I couldn't turn on the heated or ventilated seats. I could use voice commands to do it. But when I tapped the button on the touchscreen, it didn't work. Ooh, Ooh, um, man. That's frustrating, yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that was frustrating. But two, the same control area where the heated and ventilated seats and stuff are is where the, where the um, digital headlight switch is. So thankfully the cars turn on in automatic mode, but in GM's infinite wisdom of saving money, um, there's no longer a manual headlight switch. It's the same with so, the uh, the new pickups, the Canyon yes, and the Colorado yep. have the same f- feature. Yep. I, I yep. use the word so, feature in quotations. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, like, if you want to turn the headlights on to take photos, like, I couldn't. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's annoying. I mean, at I, least the- <laughs> I'm going to be, I've said this online and been crucified for it, but I think there's no compelling reason for a being able to turn off the headlights on a modern vehicle. Yeah. I kind of agree I, with that. No, I I agree with you. There's no reason they should just be on auto because I see so many ghost cars. Oh yeah, like I had one. Like I had one just following me the other day. Yeah. Um, so no, car headlights should be automatic or they should be always be on. Um, but we do we we have unique jobs. Yeah, and we have unique situations. And you know, my drive partner um, Stephen Edelstein, who you both know, um, mm-hmm. wanted the headlights on to take some photos and couldn't do it. Because it was too bright outside. What about voice you commands? Know. You can't say Siri turn on. No, the that's the, the, yeah, that's not a that's not a voice enabled feature. GM Siri so. turn on. The <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. Hey Google, it is okay Google uh, or whatever. Let me yell it really loud so all your listeners um, no. are Google's answer. But uh, um, but but if if that's not a major software problem that's affecting a bunch of vehicles, I mean, it might be. It might be, and then. That kind of ruins the whole infotainment experience. But it's almost like it didn't have to be software at all. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> <Not> like <that's- laughs> uh, right. Um, but otherwise, the system works. There, I mean, it works very well. I, I think that if I had my own apps and stuff on there, I probably wouldn't be compelled to use my phone at all because it's Google Maps built in. Like it's not, it's not, it's not with Hyundai like where they use other other mapping software and stuff like that. It is. It is Google. The thing that um, frustrates me, though, is the idea that here's yet another device I have to log into and that has all of my credentials and is going right. to be used to do whatever with, you know? And well, I realize I, well, that, I, that having my phone in my pocket that I'm logged into, it's tracking my mo- my movements anyway. Yeah. But I, I, at the very least, GM is not necessarily peering over the shoulder while that's happening and finding yet another way to monetize that information. Right. Well, and I can't I can't even log in and I can't log into any of the new Google systems. I can't log into any of the new Google systems, regardless of whether it's GM or not, because my Your main shadow Google, ban from from Google. Well, my main Google account, my main Google account is the Google Workspace account. Okay. And that is an older style account. Um, it's how I have my own domain name and stuff like that. And because of some stupid technical bug glitch, whatever that Google had years ago, um, there's just things I can't do. I can't convert my Nest account to a Google over to my Google account because of that, and I can't log into the car. So, if I don't have CarPlay or Android Auto, I also can't log into the car. So I get none of the benefits of this advanced, you know, this this advanced infotainment system. So you'd have so, to make a burner account to just to use yeah, the car. Yeah, and I, and I don't and I don't want to do that. Like I really, that's that's stupid. So it, that is not a GM problem, but by not having CarPlay and Android Auto, it exasperated the Google problem. Yeah, definitely. And Google know and Google knows about it, and they just probably aren't going to fix it. Like, there's they're just probably not going to fix it. They're too focused better, on on machine learning search. They can't right, they yeah. can't fix old products that they're going to deprecate next year anyway. Yeah. Um, 
but but otherwise i you know i really like the lyric i really like the the blazer um i think that's if they can find a way to deliver them um it'll sell reasonably well i like the ultium stuff that i drive i even like the hummer as as ostentatious and brodozer as that was and the hummer is the only ultium product aside from the lyric that's on the market correct yeah yeah Yeah, so that's problem um you know, and, and there's going to be more Altium coming. I mean, they keep announcing Altium products. Uh, you know, Escalatic and uh, I think we're up to and seven. Vistic now, and yeah, Escalatic, Vistic, um, Silverado, Sierra, Hummer, Hummer SUV, um, but you can't, you can't drive any Equinoxic, Equinoxic, um, uh, the, the replacement Baltic. They should um, hire Britney Spears to be the spokesperson for Equinoxic because they have <laughs> the theme song right there for the ad. It's, it is right there. Um, the LT front wheel drive version probably won't drive as nice. I completely agree with both of you guys. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, uh, Polestar and Volvo both switched from uh, front wheel drive. Well, I guess Volvo never had one that was front wheel drive, but. Like Polestar switched from that front wheel drive Polestar yeah. to to rear drive because they wanted. And that rear wheel drive model is excellent. Like from what I hear, it's it's a it's a great feeling car over the yep. uh, over the front wheel drive model. Yeah. So, um, you know, choices were made. Do customers care? Ugh, I don't know. And okay. maybe out and maybe outside of uh, outside of the smile states, like I bet I bet customers are more drawn to front wheel drive than rear drive because they drive in the winter. Mm-hmm. And you know that you can put winter tires on a car, but most people don't. <laughs> and it's not a legal requirement here in the states. So, um, you know, they may they may sell more front wheel drive uh, Blazers than or than Volkswagen sells rear drive ID fours, or you know, um, that's probably not a fair comparison because I don't really like the ID four. But uh, y- you know, like it, it may actually end up being a selling point or a compelling option it might be, interesting i mean you know it, it depends on how they market it it depends yeah. on how their competitors choose to market against them too i think yeah i mean is it a blazer i don't i don't know nothing's nothing anymore nothing means anything yeah but, nothing uh, means anything anymore. just wait, well, two I mean, years, it, wait two years and it'll be a camaro chad yeah i'm on the corvette suv can't wait for that oh, um corvette but, e-ray, uh, e-ray suv yeah um, but one thing, I, I, one in, speaking to that blazer, and if it's a blazer, um, Chevy made a really strong point to make to to make that the EV blazer, um, due to weight and battery location and stuff like that, will always be a very street focused vehicle. But right. they they also say that it allows them some creativity with the gas version to maybe go a little bit more rugged. I've um, heard this too. I've heard that they think that maybe the Blazer nameplate is coming back for a, as a Bronco fighter or something like that. Yeah. I I don't think they, they didn't go that far in their implications, but they did imply that well, the current gas Blazer sits a little higher now, and they they seem like they seem like they they wanted to draw a differentiation, a line of differentiation it's, it's funny between the gas and the EV. It's funny to yeah. me that they're saying that, oh, this is too heavy for off-road in a world where like the TRX and the, the Raptor R exist. You know, it's well, like, in, in, in a world where the Hummer EV. Yeah, the Hummer as yeah. an off-road. It's a 9,200 pound pickup truck. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, I, you know, this is right up there with the safety of, of uh, Android Auto, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's um, and and I mean this with love to my GM friends, but nobody GMs harder than GM. Um, and <laughs> I I 
like all team is is very good like it, it genuinely is. i wanted to succeed good. i straight up i wanted to and, um and they i believe that they've figured out that it's for some reasons a little bit more difficult to produce than they initially anticipated um one thing i did ask them like, well, what did you learn from hummer and and uh lyric about this and you know outside of their manufacturing issues which they don't ever really want to admit yeah but, they never want to talk about that yeah, but but it's obvious right yeah. um but one thing that their uh chevy's vp scott at his last name um said was that they don't they don't do reservations anymore they found that when they did reservations like it, it sets a expert well i mean it sets an expectation that you're gonna have to deliver a car but um, <laughs> i mean ultimately i think most yeah. automakers recognize that with the exception right. of i don't know but, why. but i think that other automakers i think ford probably was just as guilty too was like oh well, we're gonna take reservations because no grand scott didn't say this but because elon musk does well elon musk is the only one that can take reservations um and not deliver a product yeah like the the roadster founders edition roadster 2.0 was a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar payment up front and that's been five years so like uh everybody else doesn't so if you don't well, take reservation the truck the model that people wanted isn't happening isn't like a reality right i actually wrote an article about that exact topic today so <laughs> okay ama so, if you so, want <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so i think that by not doing and, I, and I, I thought that was very actually enlightened to say well reservations you know add a bit of pressure like because people have given you money it's no longer just waiting and but they give you money when you make the when they buy the car too there's no pressure on delivering a good car after like no, if they no. don't make a reservation but you don't have no. to pay for that like so my neighbor <laughs> my neighbor who bought a sorrento plug-in like it, it took 18 months for them to get the car they didn't have to pay for it they didn't have to put money down on that they still had their place in line for the car right. so i think that's a, i think that's a real difference yeah okay. cuz if they would have had their money down they would have been calling every i mean maybe they did call every day but you're definitely going to start calling every day where's my car dude yeah, where's my car exactly <laughs> um and and you know i think and i think that like ford was just as guilty because they took so many reservations on lightning and what i think is hilarious is and genuinely funny that like they opened the rouge electric vehicle center to produce eighty thousand trucks a year and then yeah. they opened reservations and suddenly said oh my gosh we need to double production <laughs> so then they doubled production and now they had to half production yeah. So whoever whoever came up with that original production plan mm-hmm. knew what they were talking about, and let and then let reservations and the hype around reservations um, adjust their plans, and now they have to basically go back to those original plans. Yeah, which the, is the thing about reservations though is that it, like you said, it builds a queue that is just like it's unsustainable or un like it just breaks the heart of a consumer sometimes well, to be told and, and your car will be made in two in two years well in a hundred dollars like what the a hundred dollars for people that are buying evs i'm not going to say a hundred dollars is not a lot of money because for some people it's a lot of money but like for somebody that's thick or an ev these folks are going out there and putting a deposit down on the rivian and on silverado and right. on Cybertruck. it's it's they admission, weren't, they to, it's buy- admission to a theme park is what it is it, it gives yeah. them uh until they get that until the vehicle actually goes in production it allows them to participate in a cultural moment that surrounds a certain vehicle that they're interested in but it also allows them to put deposits down on multiple vehicles, and then whichever one gets built first is what they buy. Yeah. So you have overinflated reservations because people yeah, just I've want, heard this too. Yeah. People just want oh I just want the electric truck or I just want you know whatever whichever one comes first is the one I want. And they're um, also but they're also too um I don't know what the percentage is but it's it's not 
it's not uh, minuscule of people who want to be associated with Tesla because yep. of, for whatever reason, because they're either fans or because they, they think it gives them some kind of cachet or it's a conversation Nazis. piece at a party. Yeah. Maybe they're fascists, uh, <laughs> but it's, it, they, they pay a hundred dollars and then they get to say, I have a cyber truck reservation, yes. you know, yep. and yep. like they they have no intention of buying. Like none right. whatsoever. Wild. No way. There are there are people who do definitely want to buy, but there is a percentage who will never buy that Cybertruck, who will never buy yep. that Model Three. You know, it's they just wanted to be part of that. And I'm not yep. casting judgment on that, but I'm saying that if you're a product planner, that's got to mess with your head. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh <laughs> well, yeah. Produ- when you're yeah. thinking about production, you're not thinking about the people who aren't going to buy the car. Especially if you're looking at other companies, like Chad was saying. And if you have like, mm-hmm. it's it's if you have this the same deposit that's being spread around five different automakers, but only one purchase intention, you know, like yeah. it becomes very difficult to figure out what's actually happening in the market. Yeah. So reservations probably not a great idea. Um. You know, I think I think maybe deposits on actual orders, okay, but reservations, refundable deposit, refundable reservations, probably not great. But I mean, you see, like it's it's so funny. The economics around EVs is sometimes just hilarious because yeah. you talk about it like this, but then but then it's like who's clogging up charging stations right now? It's people that have free charging from from whatever incentive they yeah. have because they're going to a hundred percent. So they're just so you can you can afford a hundred thousand dollar car, but you need that extra. Two or three dollars worth of free electricity. Yeah. Like we don't have the etiquette down yet. Basically, it's 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 just bonkers to me. And I've seen that. I've pulled into charging stations. Um, there's a station that we would typically go to when we film um, that was on free vend for a while because guess what? Electrify America sucks. So they were doing they were doing free vend, and um, there were like a line of Teslas waiting to use their CCS adapter to so they could go to 100. percent It's like, come on, guys, just stop. So you're you're gonna lord over your superior network to all these other EV owners, but then you're gonna go use their less less good network because yeah. it's free. It's like oh, it's it's why it's just it's their EVs are exciting, man. Both in, <laughs> in good ways, in good ways and bad ways, and everything. It's just it's never a dull moment because there's there's the whole anti EV propaganda. There's the the just the absolute zealots that are just like you know. This is all amazing. There is all of this confusion and this lack of knowledge and all of this misinformation and then just people being people and humans being human humans. Mm-hmm. And nobody is as stupid as all of us. No single person is as stupid as all of us. And Well, when we all get together, there's no end to the, what we can't accomplish. <laughs> right, right. Um so yeah, just just wild. I mean, I, I I mean, I love covering it. I think it's interesting, and I think I've talked to a lot of people who are like, "Oh, this is the most interesting, craziest time possibly since the invention of the automobile." When it comes to this industry and what's happening, so so I I I want to talk about a vehicle today that's also a GM Chad, and but it's not. Oh, okay. It's not an Ultium. So they can build it. So they can build it, and they have been building it. But I think it's honestly maybe a, a, another shining moment for General Motors that came out of nowhere and is kind of targeting part of the market that I think almost everyone else has abandoned. Um, and that's uh, that's the cheap yet pretty good car, which is <laughs> – I, I can't remember the last time someone built a really good car for less than $25,000 – or even not the Maverick. Even wanted to do that, you know? Yeah, I get the, right. the Maverick is a great is a great exception to the rule, right there. I think um, I, I, there are cars that are priced under that point, but the I mean, in Canada, 
the average transaction price is $66,000 for a new car. In the US, I think it's like what, in the mid 50s? It's it's yeah, I haven't seen a number recently, but it's in 50. It's 50. Yeah. So I think that's a fair. A, you start looking at I remember, I mean, I'm going to going to get all like, uh, you know, Pepperidge Farms here for a minute, but <laughs> there was a time when in Canada, you could get a $12,000 brand new car. This is like yeah. in the mid teens. You could get a Micra or you could get a a, a, a Mitsubishi um, Mirage. And you guys even sponsored a micro. We, yeah, we sponsored a micro yeah. race car, um, which was. Thank you for remembering that. That was sweet. Yeah, that was <laughs> a lot of fun to do. Uh, but those days are way behind us. Uh, almost every car these days that's even subcompacts are starting at the $25,000 price point, right? So um, I drove the 2024 Buick and Vista, which is a subcompact. That's actually a little bit bigger than a more expensive car in the Buick lineup. The the um, oh, what is it called now? It also starts with an E. Why can't I th- why can't I think of it? They all start Encore? with E's, don't they? There's Encore. A, yeah, the Encore. Enclave. The Encore. Or, okay. So the Encore was the previous entry level Buick, and then the Invista came around and was like, "We're going to give you more vehicle for less money." It starts at like twenty three thousand dollars. Uh, the model I drove was at 29, which is pretty much the top. I think there's like a $30,000 model. But th- this is a a faux crossover in the sense that it's it's like a tall riding hatchback. It's front wheel drive only. But it looks really, really good. Like it looks almost... It's, 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 it's almost beautiful. It's like someone took like a Lotus and an Urus and then mashed them together and made them small. And I think from the front... <laughs> It's from the front. It has definite curb appeal. The rear is a little busy, but it's it's generally you look at this car and you're like, I would not expect to be able to buy this car for twenty three thousand dollars. Like it's not, it doesn't look like it was built to a price when it clearly was. Um, this is a car that's built in South Korea for a brand whose biggest market is in China. Yet it has a badge with like a hundred years of American automotive history. Like this is an unusual automobile, and I went into it. With a lot of people who'd driven it, colleagues who told me, you're going to be surprised. It's really great. And I was like, how great can a 1.2 liter three-cylinder non-turbo car be? And the answer is pretty great. Like, Chad, have you driven it? So, so I, have, I have two questions before I we, we get into a slightly more serious discussion on okay. this. Um, one, this is the Buick version of the Trax. Yes, yeah. which is even cheaper. And the Trax is amazing. Like, it is. it might be amazing. one of the... Wow. I, for the for the price point, it might yeah. be one of the best. It might be one of the best cars out there. Wow! Um, and probably the, one of the best cars in Chevy's lineup for sure. Um, I haven't driven the Buick. I spent a little bit of time in the in the tracks. But then two, you just the way that you describe that. I have to ask you, Ben, is that a Buick? <laughs> I don't get if well, that's advertising. Uh, I don't get it. That's advertising. Oh. <laughs> ben, ben skips all commercials. Really. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. You, you'd have um, to go but, with this is not your father's Buick, which isn't even correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, sorry then. But no, to answer your question, no, I haven't driven it. Um, Sammy, have you? No, no, neither. I've driven uh, neither the Invista or the Trax, but I've also, again, heard um, fantastic rides. And I don't know. I think this enthusiasm for this car and the tracks just reminds me that there's still an appetite for affordable it's, cars. It's, that how, are... it's how starved we are for a cheap, yeah. for a cheapish car that does everything pretty much really well. 
Like, yes, there are so many cars out there where you pay a, a discounted amount of money and you're, you're sacrificing something. You're like, okay, the fuel mileage is terrible. The power is terrible. The passenger space is terrible, but it does everything else well. With the Invista, and I want to kind of tie into what Chad was saying, like, this is a really good car at any price point. Like, if you got into this mm-hmm. car, you would be happy with what it gives you. And then you you, you dial down the fact that it is, you know, they, they've dialed down the power to represent the entry level. So it's 137 horsepower, 162 pound-feet of torque. That's perfectly fine for the price point. That's perfectly fine for its size and my expectations. Um, it gets, like, 32 miles per gallon on the highway. I saw, like, 25 in mixed driving um, in the winter, which is not too bad. I did put a lot of, I did put a lot of kilometers on it. But the the inside is it's relatively cheerful like the dash looks good it, it feels premium we we uh, long time listeners will know that we have a cross track in the driveway now this is roughly the same size and my partner who drives the cross track that's her daily she was talking about how the invista came across as just feeling more upscale than her car uh, so mission accomplished for buick there i mean it's not quite luxury but it is a bit of a step up over the tracks in in a tiny way, right. I think, because the tracks interior is pretty nice too. Um, you lose a little bit of if you're if you're comparing it against the tracks, and you really want to buy like the the least expensive, still very good car you can. The tracks has more rear space, I think, for your headroom and maybe cargo because it doesn't have the curve in the silhouette that the Invista does. But I just couldn't get away from the fact that this car does everything well. It does everything I need it to, and. It is one of the most reasonably priced vehicles I've driven in a long time. There was no point where I was in it and I was like, wow, they're kind of like, you know, sometimes when you shrink down luxury, you get a lot of the uh, trappings of of the brand, but you don't get any actual substance. And it's kind of the opposite here with the Buick. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So tell me what what's powering this thing, how it's getting from here to there and what that drive experience is. Is kind of like, well, like I said, smooth, it's, it's quiet. It's a 1.2 liter three cylinder. Um, I mentioned the power. Yeah, uh, it's it's fine. It's not fast, but it's fine. It 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 goes where I need it to go. Um, it doesn't sound terrible, which is nice. Uh, it's surprising. Some, sometimes when you get a small engine like this, it sounds thrashy. And I didn't okay. have that problem with the Invista. It has a traditional six-speed automatic too, no CVTs, which Thank is a, another point that's in its That's so favor. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's why the, the fuel mileage isn't stellar. Like it's not in the 40 mile per gallon range for a three-cylinder engine. But I will gladly make that trade, I think, just to have a composed driving experience. Um, And then, do you, like, there's no real competitor for this. Do you think that, like, there's Somebody zero competitors. Who... You're exactly right. You look at Acura, you look at Lincoln, and mm-hmm. you look at Lexus. There's nothing even within like five thousand dollars of its starting price. That Lexus U8 UX is like a thirty-five thousand dollar vehicle. I think that's insane. Yeah, but it seems like a very similar size than this. No, well, for sure, size-wise, there are competitors. Like you can also look at Mercedes has some. I mean, like GLA or something. Obviously, Invista is not going up against BMW and Mercedes, although they do. No. You know, the X2. And the GLA and whatnot, GLB, whatever, are similar in size. The pricing is so different. The pricing is so different. And the features are so different, too. You're not going to be blown away by this interior. But it does have everything you need. Like, except for a rear wiper. That's like the one cost-cutting thing I could detect in the vehicle where I was like, come on, just give me a rear wiper. Yeah. Interesting. So I I don't Um, don't really want to dwell on the car, but it made a strong impression. And I did not expect it to. I had been told it would... But at the same time, I'm like, 
I, I've driven the Enclaves and Visions and Equinoxes, not Equinox, sorry, um, Encores, and they're they're all fine, but it's not something that I would necessarily recommend because there's so many other choices. And then we get to Invista, and there's no other choice except for the tracks, right? Which is essentially yeah. the same thing. So I, I feel really confident recommending this to people. I, I can now tell people who want to spend the least amount of money possible but still have a practical choice to drive that there are two choices for them that they would probably like. But I think that people are going to struggle to hear a Buick and say, okay, fine, I'm going to check it out. I think for whatever, yeah. I think Buick has lost the war on like reputation. Maybe, but if you're pricing, if you're shopping exclusively on price, I don't know how much reputation matters. I guess but, you're then right, you're gonna yeah. buy, but then you're going to buy the tracks. Sure, maybe. But I mean, does Chevrolet really have more of a reputation than Buick? And I think the counter argument to that, Chad, might be the styling. Okay. I think maybe you'll look at the Invista and be like, that looks really good. It looks like I spent $10,000 more than I did. And that's important to me for X reasons. I, I'm sure there's a small number of buyers who might think that. Whereas you and I, it's not as important. Uh, but I, I do think people, they do make emotionally based buying decisions at times. And the Invista might tip them in, in that direction. Well, word on, word on the street, a new uh, Kicks is coming. So. Oh. Yay. Um, so I like I like the kicks, but I mean, it's not as nice inside as an Invista. Sure. So yeah, and I I forget what the kicks is priced at. Can anyone remind me quickly? The kicks has gotten up in price ever since it came out because uh, it had no real competitors, right? Yes, but today <laughs> knock, you can knock get into knock a kick. Invista. Like <laughs> you get into a kicks for twenty thousand twenty one thousand dollars. Okay, that's so that's very you're paying what two thousand dollars more for a Buick. It yeah. has nicer styling and no CVT, or you're yeah. paying roughly the same for the Chevrolet for the Chevrolet, which is newer, right? Like, yeah. I'm I'm curious to see how, and I think also the turbocharged motor might have a different feel than the uh, than the kicks. There's no turbo. It's not vehicles. a turbocharged motor. In the in the tracks or the oh, I'm or sorry, the, Invista? the tracks it is turbocharged. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I but thought that might stuff. make a, a bit of a difference, um, torque wise, right? It it might. I mean, it's it's 162 pound feet. It's still pretty modest. Yeah, I think it could. Um, anything else you want to add about the uh, Invista? You, you really so again. Like I I, I want to ask you again. Like cheap cars, they exist and they're still they're like good. Like they're usable, right? Yeah. I mean, I <sighs> is that a weird thing to say? Like I, I don't know. I think a lot of people. It, I think it's weird that there's a premium cheap car that's actually good, or a car I that thinks like, it's premium. Whenever I hear people talking about buying a new car, they are always they're always telling me how expensive a new car is. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and I, I I try to tell them that one, you don't need a, you don't need an SUV or crossover. So, you know, lower your expectations. An Elantra and a Forte can really do the trick for for a little bit little bits of, of money. Um, and then I think on the other hand, we're starting to see some cars that um, have that hatchback design can be pretty practical. And are are affordable as well, and I I really hope that people are starting to get this message. We are, I don't know. I hear so many people complaining about you know finances these days, and uh, and I think a cheap car would would help a lot. You know, I'm just happy that there's not help a lot. You don't need to buy a car at all, but if you are in the market for a for a new vehicle, getting an affordable one is probably the best idea. I'm I'm just happy there's another cheap option that's good. You know, like you said, um, the the small sedans from Kia and Hyundai are good. But few people are shopping sedans these days, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. It, it's just just the, the intersection of price and 
and quality from this vehicle is was was blowing me away. I agree. I think that's the. I think that's really cool. I, um, and I can't wait to try them. Honestly, like this is one of the the cars that I'm eager to test out um, in the near future because of what you said. It's it's just it's about time, right? That, like there used to be a time when we used to get cheap cars, and I want that again. Now, Chad, uh, you have a. We, we were talking about EV Pulse a little bit earlier, which is your uh, your outlet slash your baby, and um, yes. There is something that you did recently that is you, you guys have a video that's out on YouTube right now that is, I think, a little bit out of the ordinary from what most people are expecting from a car video. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so recently, outside of, outside of please don't edit out that groan. Um, no, I'm going <laughs> to amplify it. I'm going to hit you with some reverb and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> um. There, there's a lot of discussion out there about how the public charging network is terrible. And it is. Like, I'm not going to defend it. Um, and there's also a lot of uh, assumptions that once you get out of, like, again, California, New York, Miami, like, out of the like the smile states that are really, like, EV-friendly, um, it becomes much more challenging to own an EV. Um, add on top of that certain issues uh, with Canadian EV charging, public EV charging, um, mm-hmm. which is worse um it's, it's certainly worse in ontario but i would argue it's way better in quebec where i live okay um that's it, you factor in all of that sort of both reality and um, perceived reality and then you add in uh, charging times and stuff like that and how oh you can't take road trips or anything like that so um craig and i decided that um we were going to attempt to uh visit all five great lakes um Homes, which is Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, and Superior, um, in a single day in an EV. Did you have so, to get out and touch the water in each one of them? So here's where it gets a little bit more interesting. All right, um, All right I like this. Uh, the, uh, the, what sort of inspired this is on the Michigan Economic Element website at michigan.org. They have this swim in all five Great Lakes in one day challenge. Here we um, go. Well, I don't know how to swim in two waters really cold. So this trip took place in November, right? It did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, cold. Yeah. Peak peak, peak fall color season. Um, And so it's like, okay, well, what what additional hook that could we do? So we decided through some consultation with a friend at at Nissan um, was that we were going to brew coffee at each stop at each Great Lake stop um, using the water from the lake. Oh my goodness. Um, Chad, have okay. you seen a medical Cold. practitioner since you got back from the homes trip? Um, I am. I am still alive. Craig is still alive. You can't uh, boil out plutonium is what I'm telling you. <laughs> um, uh, whatever the Brit, whatever the Brita didn't filter out, we we <laughs> attempted to boil out. Um, I'm picturing you to... sitting on the tailgate, uh, looking at the the majestic Lake Erie, and you're wearing a full rad suit just to protect <laughs> you from what you've extracted well, from its waters. Obviously, obviously, Lake Erie is the butt of many jokes. Um, and uh, if we we collected all the water too, and if 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 anybody watches the video, we show you the the water at some point, and um, it's definitely much milkier um, out of Erie <laughs> than, than out of any of these. So, so we attempted to do this all in a single day, and um, and actually, when we finished, we finished. Uh, we started in Hamilton, Ontario, and we went to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. Um, I'm so sad that you were in Hamilton, Ontario, and I didn't know. I'm so bummed. I just moved there, so yeah. Oh, Sammy's actually oh. recording this from. 
nearby. The lake. Yeah. yeah from the oh, lake. okay. Yeah, we reached out to we reached out to Jody to see if she was around, but she was uh, busy. But um, Chad, like I, I said, we, we, Chad, I have one question for you. Does Lake Erie hmm. in their tourism advertising do they, do they use the catchphrase "It's milkier than you thought"? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but for what it's worth, it was once considered ecologically dead. Yeah, I remember um, that. In, my, in our is, lifetime, it, it was it was ecologically yes. dead. Yeah, so it has it has come back from that. Um, yes, the Cuyahoga River in Cleveland caught on fire some fifty sometimes before uh, they did anything about cleaning it up. But um, it, it, there, there's an adventure. One of the things that didn't get on camera because it was late was we actually had to sneak around a border patrol guy at at a Wait, to get we, our water out. Should we be saying this get, into a live? <laughs> no, no. So when we were our last stop was for lake superior and we go into brimley michigan's brimley state park and we go to the boat dock to go down and get some water and we pull in it's 345 you know 330 345 in the morning and there's a white flipping suburban sitting there i'm amazed the park was open at that time with its headlights on no there's no gate so um so there's a suburban sitting there and we pull up to it and it's white and it's got green stripes on it i'm like oh it's border patrol because where we were was you could swim to canada basically yeah so we don't know if the guy was sleeping or not but basically craig had to get out and sneak through the campground and whatever to to get the water off this last spot but um yeah we like we started in canada so we had to deal with uh two countries two states roughly 650 700 miles um Charging all along the way, uh, Electrify Canada, Electrify America. Um, we used uh, a, a level two charger at the Oil Museum of Canada because Craig really wanted to go there. Um, and there that's is a clever, oil... that's a clever like synthesis, uh, synergy there actually, like that the Oil Museum would have an EV charger. Well, I'm so I'm assuming that you got uh, either provincial or. Yes, uh, government grant money. Of course, to, yeah, to, to do it. And Nothing it, is done out of the, out of the pureness <laughs> of people's heart. And I think here. inside that oil museum, you'll find uh, a display with the milky waters of Lake Erie, <laughs> breaking down the hydrocarbon composition. Well, um, one hundred and six so octane lake water. <laughs> yeah. So we so basically we attempted to do this in a twenty four hour period and we were successful. We didn't run into any major charging snafus. Um, I did almost run out of electricity in Canada um, because I was driving. I was, and, well, we were we were going to Sarnia, so we so we left Brant, so we overnighted in Brantford because yeah. that was the only sort of like area where I could reliably see that there were some level two chargers at the hotel, um, but they were very slow level two chargers. So by the time we drove to Hamilton and then left, we were at like sixty percent state of charge, and I was hoping to be at like eighty or ninety. Um, and then that part of southern Ontario is just so boring. It's like northern Ohio boring. And, um, but yeah, we, 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 we creeped into the Electrify Canada station there in Sarnia on 0% state of charge. Craig thought for sure we were going to run out, but yeah. uh, we didn't. Did you um, talk about maybe leaving Craig on the side of the road just to lighten, lighten the load a little bit? <laughs> and he said, I'll come, no. I'll come back for you. And he's like a single no, tier. No, but we did have, um, uh, we did have somebody from Nissan with us. Um, oh, wow. so that was left not them on the side of the road. So that was so. I would just like to make it clear to the listeners: it wasn't so that they could tell us what to say or what to do. Um, it was uh, they wanted to write a story on what we were doing for their for their website. So mm-hmm. uh, that actually ran today, uh, which was really nice. But uh, 
but this uh, this guy is fairly new, so we made him our grunt worker. So he drove <laughs> the so he drove the chase car because we were allowed the eerie to. coffee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I told him, I said, if we run out, I'm leaving the car with you, and I'm taking the chase car back home. I'm just leaving you <laughs> here inside the road. Wow. He's like, oh, well, I guess he's like, I guess I'll uh, get to meet my uh, Canadian counterpart. That he can't I said. just yeah. chop her in a charging station. Like I thought Nissan's, <laughs> Nissan's got it, got it all together. I mean, oh, uh, um, well, I mean, maybe, maybe not chop her in, but maybe come in in the, in a Yamaha instrument case or something. <laughs> that feels you? a bit more, that feels a bit more on brand. Um, but like I said, we didn't have any major charging issues. We got to see a part of Canada that really I haven't been to. Um, I've never done the drive from the Detroitish area to Ontario. I've flown to Ontario and I've gone on the eerie side through Niagara Falls, but yeah. um, there's a lot of petroleum history in that part of Canada um, that I wasn't super aware of. So that was that was interesting-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that the Electrify Canada app doesn't work with the Electrify America app. Yeah. So I had to install yet another app to uh, to coordinate charging. Um, but uh, none of, neither one of us died. We made a fairly entertaining video. Um, we were successful. It definitely wouldn't take you as long to do it um, as it took us because we had to film. So right. when you when you hear about a twenty one hour day, like uh, no, you can do it for less than that. I mean, Sammy's but, filming all the time, so it's just second nature to him. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I got one of those straps on my head with the GoPro but, on. It's yeah. great. But we but we took an Aria, which doesn't have necessarily the best range in the industry, nor, nor the, the best highest char- charge. Yeah, the nor charge, the, nor the, nor highest, the highest charging speed. speed. And honestly, it wasn't bad. Um, it the, the charge curve sits pretty high up, so you know we we sat longer than we would in like a, a Korean car, an eGMB car. But right. um, the seats in the Aria are much nicer than in the Ionic Five or Six or the EV Six. Um, it's that zero gravity stuff. So That's true. I thought for, that zero gravity was great for like, you know, um, I don't. I didn't find them super comfortable. They're supportive. That's what they are. They stop me from um, from going numb. I think it's the best description. I of think, them, but they're not like I, super plush. And if you're in a spending twenty some hours in a car, yes, you do. You don't want to go numb. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, I'm, yeah, I'm you, dead below the waist, so it's it's academic to me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the car also had a propelled assist two which when it works is almost as good as as super cruise um that's cool that's also in the so, advertising <laughs> well i think that i think that's a compliment because i really think highly of super yeah cruise. super cruise is really great. um yes and, of course and ford's blue cruise impl- implementation is getting better mm. but i think out the door out the gate uh nissan's hands-off system is better than ford's hands-off system so um so i think there's some real wins there actually uh and it can be it can be done. You can road trip in the Midwest in an EV, and you know you have to do a little bit of planning in advance. But if just a little bit of thought, you can have an adventure. So we did, and I think it's a I think it's a very good video, and I think everybody should go watch it. And then I think they should do super chats and super thanks, and give me and give me money. I mean, no. <laughs> and but, if, um, if you if you want to watch it, dear listeners, uh, you definitely can. Find the link to that in our show notes for today. We're gonna we're gonna have that up there for you. Yeah. But um, without, I know it might spoil you know some parts of the video. But was yeah, there like up? a highlight or a low light or both for the for the whole trip? What what really stood out to you? What was a moment that you're like I'm gonna remember this forever? Um, or you might not. I don't. That's know. that's a very intense ask, Sammy. <laughs> that is that is a pretty intense. Ask. I think that's a really cool challenge. I mean, I think anybody who who undertakes such a 
such a you know challenge. You know, well, there's there's a very specific way that we did it because we wanted to follow uh, the state of Michigan's. Uh, basically their article on this and the, that part of the challenge. So mm-hmm. we went to very specific cities. Um, those may not be the most efficient ways to get to each of those lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we didn't stop in Mackinac city and, and hit two lakes there by saying, Oh, well, if I'm in the le- if I'm on the West side of the Mackinac bridge, I'm in superior. And if I'm on the East side, I'm in here on like, yeah, that's a bit uh, like, we didn't bit like cheating, <laughs> but yeah, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't cheat it. Right. Yeah. Um, or I'm sorry, Michigan and Iran. Um, so we didn't cheat that. Uh, that added a lot to our day because we actually, um, one of our stops was at the tip of the thumb. And that's uh, out of the way. And it, so, if you're not familiar uh, with the Great Lakes, I mean, the name is not an accident. They are humongous big. So, Oh, yes. Yeah, they're huge. Abs- yeah, they're absolutely just massive. And, um, you know, I, I think some big takeaways are um, I like doing road trips and – I've never done something quite like this, so like just being able to to say that I've done it, I think is is great. Um, Craig is obviously hilarious. Um, he's hilarious whether you're spending a lot of time with him in a car or not. Um, <laughs> you know, I think there's a, you know, I think there's a lot of good jokes, a lot of good humor. Um, I, I mean, the biggest take because nothing, you know, because nothing really horrible happened. Uh, it, it was almost a little bit. I don't want to say normcore, but it was kind yeah. of a, you know, it was it was just a really kind of interesting drive. So I mean, I'll remember the experience. I mean, we did it during the fall colors and stuff. So I mean, obviously, everything is is quite pretty and nice. um, and stuff like that. Uh, but at the same time, because nothing went wrong or nothing crazy particularly happened, it was just a drive. Like yeah, there was no manufactured you know, drama for reality TV. Yeah, I mean, we we did almost run out, but that was because the car is reasonably inefficient over a certain speed. Yeah, um, and I mean, we addressed it in the video, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, the the coffee element itself is is I think the kind of the funniest thing, but that also kind of led into the most time consuming thing because it takes four to five minutes to boil water, even with a fifteen hundred yeah. watt kettle, and. Yeah. Um, and that, know, that urine uh, water is like really resistant to boiling. It's like, I've heard it's, <laughs> I've heard people say it's like trying to boil mixed concrete. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I'll, I both going in and out of Canada, um, uh, customs folks on both ways were like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, how's it going? Um, like, <laughs> I'm amazed they believed you. I'm amazed that yeah, wasn't instant grounds for secondary search, <laughs> which is what happens anytime I say anything when I, when I reach the border, it's like, uh, everything so, they're so skeptical of everything anything yeah. I'm doing, which is crazy. So going into Canada, we had a we had some paperwork that said that the car was a a loan. Yeah. Um, of course, then the way that Nissan's paperwork was written, it was very confusing to this border guy. Yeah. I was just like, okay. I'm like, dude, it's a press car. He's like, why doesn't it just say it's a press car? I'm like, I didn't write it. I don't know. Ask this guy. And I pointed to the Nissan guy in the car. I'm like, ask him. <laughs> um, so, that, so so that was helpful. So he was left uh, at the border. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, then the guy was like, because uh, we had an Armada with us as a chase car, which I know is nice. not the greenest car in the world. But um, then the border border agent guy was like, uh, oh, I really like the Forerunner and this and that and whatever. You know, you know how these conversations can sometimes go. That's the um, best way to get through the border, though. You talk about cars, and suddenly they're they're talking about cars too. And next thing you know, it's like, hey, how's it going? See you later. Yeah, um, coming back into the U.S. Uh, it was just as easy. We pulled up. They saw yeah. he's like he's like you guys from Tennessee. I said nope. 
Um, because we had Tennessee plates, so it's a manufacturer yeah. car. Um, like, uh, what, what are you guys doing? And I said, oh, we're trying to take the CV, visit all five Great Lakes in a single day. The most believable thing we could possibly tell you. Well, so so we took so we took our cameras down because Ben and Craig both said that there's fewer questions when you don't have cameras all over your car. You yeah. can't film at um, a border crossing. Um, they will. Okay, so that they will go after you for that. Yeah. So, um, but then the guy was just like, he's like, kind of like. Literally in this tone, he's like, uh, how's it going? And I said, uh, we're a little behind schedule. He's like, well, good luck. And we were on our way. So, um, he's like, don't call me for help. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a reasonably, again, a reasonably smooth trip. Um, you know, nice. there's no manufactured drama, um, a little, a little real drama, but, uh, I mean, not to spoil it, but we were successful, and um, well, you're, you're really, not. This this podcast isn't taking place inside a Canadian prison, so I mean, <laughs> no, it's 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 not. not. Um, I mean, one of the things that I think I'll take away is actually when we were driving into Canada, we stopped at Craig's got a particularly favorite oh, yeah, uh, service station to stop at, right? The, hus- the Husky yes, House. Yes, yes, the, the Husky House. He's so obsessed with the Husky so House. Just, he, just for, he, for context. He way oversold it, too. Way oversold it, too. Craig and Sammy used to work together, so. Yes. Yeah, okay, sorry, yeah. Um, but he way oversold it, so we pull in there. We got this this <laughs> new guy from... Yes, like he, like we thought this was gonna be just this amazing, like a Bucky's level. Yeah, no, you're like, not gonna find to that. No, no, not at all. And this wasn't, and like, so we're just walking around buying snacks, like we're you know twelve year olds about to take a road trip because because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that Armada is filled with snacks. I mean, well, well, and the Nissan guy said that he'd pay for our snacks there, so we were grabbing, you know, wow, we were busting everything. out the corporate credit card real for the lane, real rookie move for the big <laughs> yeah, guy, right? Um, <laughs> But the but the the woman running the sales counter was just like laughing at all of us, and because we were just looking at stuff, and she's like, "You guys aren't from around here, are you?" I said, "Nope, <laughs> we are Americans." Because we were just you know like ketchup chips, chips, and um, uh, like literal like uh, like chicken, like baked chicken, or like chip, like chip flavors in Canada yeah. are just. Wild. Yeah, we and, have that unlocked. We have that locked down. It's uh, it's you know, we have our um, chip socialized yeah, medicine and weird chip flavors. Yeah, I'm like, telling you, Ben and I could have a whole podcast about new chip flavors every week, and we'd never run out of content. <laughs> I used to. Um, there's a, a really great. Uh, speaking of Nissan, a really great um, uh, member of Infinity PR named Kyle Basemore. Mm-hmm. And, oh yes, Kyle's great. And uh, Kyle, I used to send him boxes of Canadian chips. Um, across the border because he's a bit of a chip aficionado and okay. he had certain flavors that he had never tried. So that was a Canada is an endless sea of like weird chip flavors. Yeah. I mean, we were, so we were just pointing out all this weird stuff and she's like, you guys aren't Canadian. And so nope. <laughs> just you're around it? the most basic, like ketchup chips bag going. Well, like, we were also, it. we were also super excited about what we were looking at in the convenience store. So yeah. Like, <laughs> Yes. When you got a bunch of people walking around, like, "Hey, look at this!" and you're pointing to a bag, or you know, to a bag of Lay's, like, <laughs> it becomes pretty obvious pretty quick that um, we are not, we are not normal. 
I love um, chips, Ben. I love chips, but I think chips are among the worst roadside uh, road r- road trip snacks because of the they, dust they, gets they, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It messes everything what up. You gotta go with like a jerky, something clean. Yeah, jerky. <laughs> well, you, you need the protein too. Like the protein really helps. For so, like sure. jerky is good. What what are other some what are some other good road trip snacks? Um, I like gummy bears, but I don't I don't eat candy anymore like I used to. But back mm-hmm. in the day, I would have gone with like some kind of like gummy bears or. Uh, what are the, the 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 Swedish fish? Those are a oh snack. yeah okay. And I know Hurry I was boats. just talking Hurry about boats. dust, but I find that like um, if I can get uh, what are they called combos? You know, oh those? yes, yeah. yes. No. Those are hard to no. find no. in Canada. But combos, are they? Like, yeah, they're not as popular here. But the the okay. the, the calorie to size ratio of a combo. <laughs> I, mean, I think one combo is five hundred calories, and it's the size of your thumb. And so you can eat that, well, and you're good for like the, the rest of the night. Well, that's good. It's an easy, easy caloric delivery. Exactly. In case you that's, need it. that's my you know, Oh, also, I like it, slushies. Okay. I wow. think that's a good because uh, yeah. then you're cold, but also you're still thirsty after. I don't get how that works. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I definitely like jerky. I like I like gummy bears. Um, when it comes to Haribo specifically, though, the only Haribos that I like are the Air Parade ones. Air Parade. Okay. Um, so they're, they're they're little airplane Haribos, and you can only, as far as I've only ever seen them in um, duty freeze in Europe. Okay, like I was told once you could only like you could only get them at like the Frankfurt Airport, but I've I've got them at Schipperport before in Amsterdam. Um, okay, great. But they're a little bit softer, uh, and they're little airplanes, and they're just it, it's just the best. I mean, I mean yeah, the way I'm to a my sucker for soft gummies. Yeah, the the way to my heart, the way to my Sammy. <laughs> Yeah, I think hard gummy. I think yeah, Haribo. Sure. I think Haribo bears themselves are pretty hard unless you like let them sit Harder. out in the sun. Yeah, firm, uh, <laughs> firm. Yes, yes. I like if gummy gonna... bears on an ice cream sundae, and they get real cold and stiff. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they shrink a little bit. They shrink a little cold. bit, and it's like, yeah, you got to take that into account. You know, like <laughs> I think we're just gonna fade out the podcast, <laughs> like audio. <laughs> like, that's the end of the episode. If you if, if, if you have a favorite road trip snack that you would like yes. to tell us about, or um, you can do that in a bunch of ways. Uh, you can send me an email the old fashioned way, Benjamin at benjaminhunting.com. You can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com and fill out our contact form. And we, that goes right to our inbox. Or you can find us on social media. Sammy is still on the X. You can find him at Whoa. Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. You can find me on Instagram where people are just generally less uh, intense. Uh, it's and at, they're not changing the name of that service anytime soon, right? Yeah. It's, so it's at Hunting Benjamin. Chad, how can people get in touch with you? Um, well, I, obviously, please go to evpulse.com or the YouTube channel, which is uh, at evpulse. Um me specifically, uh, I'm actually on Blue Sky. Blue quite Sky a is bit. pretty good. I like the Blue Sky, which um, you can just search for my name there, which is Chad Kirshner, K I R C H N E R. Or you can carrier pigeon me, uh, like smoke signals or something. And if you want to be, be on, if you want to be on Blue Sky and you're not on Blue Sky yet, I have like a bunch of invites. <laughs> I also have I also have ten invites. Yeah, so, so like, please email. just message us yeah. and we will hook you up. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's a fantastic place. Um, but yeah, I think I, I mean I, I don't want to I don't want to sit here and brag that I think our stuff is really good. But like Craig and Ben spend a lot of time and put a lot of effort into this content. And if you if you ever followed Craig and Sammy back in Auto Guide days, um, 
Like, yeah, this is this is this this is very good stuff. And I again, I don't want to toot my own horn, but like they do really good work, and I very much would appreciate you know um, a watch and some feedback. You know, if you like it, if let me know. If you don't like it, what would you like changed? I'm I'm open to all of that. So, well, well, production quality is is hard hitting. It's excellent. It's like the best bang for your buck. They're great. And 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 thanks so much, Chad, for coming in today and uh, telling us all about the Erie Water and the video and your experience with the Blazer. I mean, I really enjoy talking with you. I always do, and I'm I'm happy every time you can make the time to be here. Well, I I always think we should do this more often, but we all get so busy. Um, but it's it you guys are super duper great, and I wish you guys I wish I saw you guys more often. So, yeah, like I don't know, I don't know, Sammy, not have a kid anymore. You got to go up to Hamilton again. I mean, that's for the do that. <laughs> donate my child to somebody else. <laughs> I would rather not. I like how you just described uh, adoption using the most uncomfortable terms. <laughs> and on that note Uh, uh, thank you for listening everybody and we will be back next week we have one more episode to do before the end of the year and uh, we look forward to having you back with us then bye